Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. All right, guys, good morning. Doing good, man. It's, it's good to see all of you out here this morning. And again, if you're new to Blaze Church, it really means so much to us that you would gather with us today. And uh, I'm just excited that we're continuing this series we started called Letters from Prison. So give you a little bit of background, because that's kind of weird, especially if this is your first time. Like, why are we reading someone's letters while they were in jail? This doesn't make sense. So there was a man named Paul 2,000 years ago who— he didn't love Jesus. In fact, he hated Jesus. It was his life's mission to stop Christians from sharing the message of Jesus. And then Jesus found him. How many are thankful that Jesus found you at some point in your life, if that's your story, right? Just found him where he was and said, hey, I'm going to give you purpose. I'm going to give you new life. And Paul went on to proclaim God's truth. Well, that got him in some trouble, especially in the first century, where the chant was, Caesar is Lord. And Paul started saying, no, no, Jesus is Lord. And so he landed himself in prison. And while he was there, instead of just wallowing in the fact that now I'm locked up and I can't do anything, he said, I know what I'll do. I will send off some emails. Thank you, sir. And so he got his laptop out and he started, none of that happened. He got some papyrus out or whatever it was. And he started sending off letters to Christians and to believers to strengthen and encourage them. And so what we're reading together are the writings that he shared with those Christians 2,000 years ago. And if you've been with us over this series, you're realizing like I am that, yes, this may be 2,000-year-old literature, but how many are thankful that it still encourages us today? It still makes a difference in our lives today. And so we're going to be reading from the letter of Ephesians in a few minutes. But before we do, I've got a question, and I'd love you to call out your answers if they're appropriate, and if you feel comfortable to do so. Who, who here had a first pet, like the name of your first pet or type of pet? Anybody want to be bold enough to share? What, first pet? A cat named Sylvester. Come on, who else? Brag about your pet, somebody. Just yell it out because I can't see anything past the first row. Max. Chomps. These are awesome names. I'm getting inspired. I, Yoda? Did someone say Yoda? Coco, Okay. Oh, it's still good. Still good. All right, so I can remember one of my first pets that, like, because we had a dog when I was born, but it wasn't, like, my first pet. I remember what, my first pet was this chameleon named Needles, everybody. And he was appropriately named Needles because his nose was pointy like a needle. And uh, two, two things that I loved about this pet, one, um, and I give my parents major props for this because I will never do this for my kids, like, no lizards in our house. To feed this lizard every two weeks, we had to go buy crickets from the pet store. Circle of life, everybody. A six-year-old is just watching this happen. And, and I just remember it being so cool to just see him eat these crickets. And what made it cool, the second fact about needles, as a chameleon, how many of you know he was camouflaged? Like, he would blend in. He would just sit on this log, and this poor little cricket would just come by. No, gone. And I just remember watching, like, this is awesome. Like, this is the coolest thing. What in the world does that have to do with the Bible? Nothing. I just wanted to share it with everybody. Um, um, it'll, make, it'll make sense as we, as we move through this. Uh, so just think about chameleons and camouflage, and we'll get there in a little bit. 
But we're, we're reading through these letters, and although they're all different, um, there's this common theme that we're bringing out each week. It's something we've said together. It's this. Paul wrote from a place for a purpose. So Paul is writing from this place of prison, and that's the same, but he continues to have a different purpose based on the people he's writing to. So as we saw in the first week, we're learning about these values that will change our lives. In that first week, we learned that we need to love God, right? You remember that for the first one? We, we talked about how we've got to have a love for God. We read through the letter of Colossians, and then we, let, we read through Philemon last week, and we learned, okay, you don't just love God, you, you also have to love others. You have to love people. And so I'll show you the two values if you weren't here. They'll be on the screen now. Love God because Jesus is enough, and love others because Jesus loves them, right? These are, every week we're learning a new value because we believe that through these four values, we can create God-honoring cultures. We're not just talking about here in this space while we're gathered as the church, but God-honoring cultures in your home. Uh, if you're a student in your classroom, in your, in your school, in, in your workplace, wherever you are, even on Sunrise Highway, everybody, just God-honoring God cultures. Just love him, love that person. And we're learning this, and so today we're going to learn a third value. Now, we're going to read the letter that's written to the Ephesian church. And just a little bit of history, because we should know what we're reading. After all, it's ancient literature. The church in Ephesus, what's so unique about this church, is that it is a church that Paul himself started. In fact, last month, we read about the moment where he started the church. If you remember in our series, All In, we had a time where we talked about Paul being in Ephesus and how that city was so filled with just witchcraft and darkness. And Paul ends up spending almost three years there getting a church started. And this city of Ephesus becomes very important in the first century for the church to grow and expand. In fact, there were three major cities. There was the Jerusalem church, the Antioch church, and the church in Ephesus that really just kind of shared the gospel around the known world at the time. Paul writes this letter about 10 years later, scholars believe. What's interesting about this letter is there's no specific problem that these Christians are facing, but they need some encouragement to keep living for Jesus. How many this morning would be bold and say, I need some encouragement to keep living for Jesus? Because both my hands are going up right now, right? Because you're going to see the culture in the first century city of Ephesus it's going to feel a lot like the culture that we still have today, 2,000 years later. And so my prayer for you this morning in this space and online is that you and I would be encouraged to keep living for Jesus. In fact, I want you to say with me, keep living for Jesus. Come on, say that. Keep living for Jesus. I've said this so many times, and I'll probably continue to say it. Oftentimes, I do a lot more listening to my self-talk than talking to myself. I'll listen to the doubt. I'll listen to the worry. I'll listen to that voice of failure. You can't. You can't. Instead, I need to preach to my doubts. I need to say, keep living for Jesus. I know it's hard right now, but keep living for Jesus. Believers, followers of Christ have been living for Jesus for 2,000 years, and we're a part of that. So we're going to read Paul's words of really what it means to live for Jesus. And the word I'm going to use throughout it is, to live for Jesus in an excellent way. How many know there's a difference when something's done with excellence? 
I, I just, I love you, every single one of you, maybe you haven't discovered your purpose yet, and, and we believe that you were created to discover your purpose. When you know that purpose, you're going to do it with excellence because it's what you were created for. Scripture says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and you know, like, sometimes there's things like we just got to do because we just got to do it. But then there's those things that we excel at, that we really, we go all in on. We're excited about it because we were created for it. Well, this morning, I want to show you through Paul's writing to the Ephesian church what it means to live an excellent Christian life. Like, that's what I want for my life. It's what I want for you. And more than that, I believe it's what God wants for us, to live an excellent Christian life. So we're going to do a whole lot of reading through Paul's letter. Now, we break this letter up into chapters and verses, but I just want you to remember when Paul wrote, he did not write chapter 1, verse 1, verse 2. He just wrote a letter to people. So we're going we're gonna to read all throughout this, but don't get tripped up on the chapter numbers and the verse numbers. We're just going to read, think about it, Paul's chained up for preaching the gospel, and he sits down to write and encourage some believers, keep living for Jesus. And here, here's what he says, chapter 2, verse 1. He says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Stop there for a second. If I were to ask you, who you were before following Jesus, if today you follow Jesus, you, you say you're a Christian, you're a believer. If I were to ask you who you were before that moment, maybe I, I sat down, I wrote some words. I thought, you know, I was selfish. I was, I was prone to unhealthy anger. I was, I was always worried. I was always kind of focused on me. And I would use those words. And if the Apostle Paul were to be sitting next to me, he would say, that's cute. You know what you were? you were dead. <laughs> like, that's the word that he uses. It's the word that's used all throughout Scripture. He says, once you were dead. And, and I just want you to see that because I found that too often we normalize sin. We accept it as being normal. Well, everybody does this. Well, it's okay. We lower the standard and say, yeah, but it's, I'm just struggling but Paul says, no, it's death. Like, think about that. If you're familiar with how the world started and God creates everything, and in the garden, Adam and Eve are told, don't eat from it. Why? Because you'll feel bad about yourself. Don't eat from it because it's, it's the wrong thing to do. No, God says, don't eat from that tree because when you do, you will what? Surely die. And Paul's reminding the Ephesians who they were before Jesus. I want you to think about it. It's who you were before Jesus. He says, once you were dead because of your disobedience in many sins. And he, and he explains it. He says, verse 2, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen wor world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Verse 3, look at this. All of us. Paul's right there. He's not just pointing the finger at some believers through a letter. He's, he's saying all of us used to live that way. Come on, we all used to live that way. And what was that way? We followed the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. right? And, and by that nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Like, I just think it's important for you to hear this. Apart from Jesus— and if you're a follower of Christ today, right now, I want you to remember, 
Before him, you look just like the world. Okay, here's my connection. You and I were chameleons that camouflaged with everyone around us. <laughs> we just blended right in. There, there was no difference between me and someone who did not know Jesus. You, you couldn't tell by my language. You couldn't tell by my responses. You couldn't tell by my attitude. You couldn't tell by any of my, my emotional response. You couldn't tell by anything. It just, oh yeah, he just looks just like everyone else. Just follow the patterns of this world. Before Paul tells us how to live an excellent Christian life, I like that he starts by saying, here's who you once were. Now, could you imagine if he stopped there? What a hopeless Sunday service this would be. <laughs> by the way, everybody, you're dead. Good luck. <laughs> you look like the rest of the world. You, you're still living for yourself. Okay, Thank the Lord that he continues writing, because here's what he says next. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Can someone give God praise for that verse this morning? It is by grace. In fact, I, I just love my favorite two words. Go, go back to verse 4 for a second there. My favorite two words are the first ones, but because. <laughs> like Paul's just saying, here's who you were, you looked like everybody else. You blended in. You camouflaged. You, you just, you were dead. You may have not even known it, but you were dead because of your sin. But because. Because I did something? No. But because I'm so good? No. But because I, I went to church and didn't miss a Sunday? No. But because of his great love for us. See, what, what Paul is doing, and what I want you to understand this morning, is he's giving us the gospel. And it's not religion. Notice, Paul doesn't say you were dead in your sin, and so you need to start doing. But rather, he says you were dead in your sin, and God acted on your behalf. God sent his son to this world. He, he says in verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And I want to speak to you this morning if you feel like you have messed your life up so much so that you don't even deserve God's love and his grace. I want you to know you're partly right. You don't deserve it, but he's going to give it to you anyway. Some of you feel like you've made decisions that God could never forgive you of, that you could never be freed from. That Even right now, you're struggling with addictive behavior that you think this could never break. And you're right, it can't break in your strength but because of his great love, but because of his grace. And the gospel is an invitation for you to respond. What does that say? You have been saved by his grace, but look at that, through faith. So what we do is we respond to the grace of our God by believing in his son, Jesus. It's why Paul wrote to the church of Rome. He said, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, you will be saved. So what do we do? Do we save ourselves? No, God saves us, and we respond to his saving, amazing grace. So I'm thankful for that. And I think Paul knew that he needed to encourage the believers in Ephesus with this reminder. And what's he doing? He's saying, here's who you once were. And if we don't have this part of his letter, do you know what we might be left with? moralism, which would say, do enough good things to earn God's grace in his favor, 
Or we might be left with legalism, which is a form of religion, which says you better do the right thing or you're going to be under the wrath of God. But because Paul writes, here's who you were and here's what God did. My friends, we have the gospel. We've got God's good news now. Scholars look at Ephesians in two big parts. They have the first three chapters where Paul is just talking about who we once were. Then he gets really practical in chapters 4, 5, and 6 and says, in light of this. So now we're, we're going to move into some parts of his letter that I promise you, right now we're all, we're all excited. We're like, I'm saved by grace through faith alone. We're just, we're, okay, that's why Paul starts writing in verse 4. And here's how he, chapter 4, here's how he starts us to so stay with me. He says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Need to explain a word there. When Paul says, live no longer as the Gentiles do, a Gentile was a non-Jewish person, but the way Paul is using this word, he's using it simply to describe every person who does not know Jesus. Make sense? For our story this morning, I could say live no longer as the reptiles do. Did you get the joke yet? Okay, you'll get it in a few minutes. Just trust me. Because a chameleon is a reptile. Stay with me, everybody. And it camouflages, and it blends in, and it just—you can't, you can't tell it apart from its surroundings. Paul's saying don't, don't live as if you don't know God. Don't, you, he's telling them, you once lived this way, you once lived in darkness, but don't live like that any longer. Why? Because it's possible to have an awareness of God and yet continue to live as if he's not the Lord of our lives. It's possible. It's possible for us not to believe in a gospel that changes us to make us more like Jesus and instead to accept other gospels. I'm going to read about them in his writing, but he says, don't live like that. And then he explains exactly how someone who does not know God lives. He says they're hopelessly confused. He says in verse 18, their minds are full of darkness. They wander from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and harden their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. 2,000 years ago, and doesn't this still sound exactly how we can live without God? Just kind of living for, for the moment. We can pretty it up. But I, I like that phrase, they eagerly practice. You know what that is? That's instant gratification. That's, I, I'm going to forfeit the long term for the immediate. I'm going to do what I want to do. You can't tell me what's true and right. Truth is relative. I form it myself, and I'm going to live for me. Paul says, don't live like that. that. That's not how you have to live any longer. Again, I want you to hear it through this lens. Not because it's a have to, not because it's a command, but everybody, this is an invitation to live differently because of Jesus now. To, to actually experience freedom, to actually know our God and find the freedom that he has for us. And he says in verse 20, that isn't what you learned about Christ. Come on, if you know Jesus today, like these believers in Ephesus did, then you can say that that's not what I learned about living for Jesus. 
He says, since you have heard about Jesus and you've learned the truth that comes from him, and you got to see this in verse 22. He says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Say those two words with me in the first two words. Say, throw off. Throw off. Like, get rid of it, he says. That, that's not who you are any longer. And then he gives us something else to do. He says, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Now, verse 24, look at these words. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. I mean, as I read this this week and just was sitting with the Holy Spirit in this passage, I was so encouraged to just say, I don't have to live by an old sinful nature any longer. Yes, I remember, let's follow the letter, who I once was. I was dead in my sin, but now by the grace of God, but because of his great love through faith, I can throw off the old sinful nature and I can put on Christ. But look at these words, throw off and now put on. I'm going to throw this off and I'm going to put on Jesus instead. I want to make sure that he is the one that I am clothed with. And then Paul takes all the rest of his letter, and we're not going to take it this morning, to show us exactly what it looks like, what we throw off and what we will put on. And so I'm going to invite you right now, if you have a phone on you, we're going to have a slide that's going to have all seven areas that Paul talks about. And I'm going to encourage you to just take a picture of this, or if you're a really great handwriting note taker and you can do it fast, start writing them down. But look at these seven areas he gives us. He says, throw off and put on, kind of like toddlers, we have to learn how to dress ourselves. How many are thankful once your kids get to the age where they can dress themselves? If you're not there yet, trust me, that milestone is awesome. Your clothes are in your room. Get dressed. So Paul's going to say, okay, now you're going to figure it. This is how you're going to start to dress. And here's the seven areas. We'll show it to you now. He says, from lies to truth. He says, instead of just responding with anger, now you get to put on peace. He says, instead of being about all about you, theft, and taking everything that comes your way, instead, generosity. I, this one's important. We have a value here at Blaze Church we've said forever. We don't talk about people. We talk to people. And, and he says, no more gossip. Instead, use your words to encourage people, to bring life. This one's hard. Pastor Amy talked about this last week with Philemon. Instead of getting revenge, we forgive. Instead of promiscuity, instead of all this sexual behavior, and he takes a while to go into it, he says, now you can live with self-control. And then he says, listen, instead of getting drunk, he says, be filled with God's Spirit. Now, I want to explain something, because that's not the time that he wrote that. Everyone's like, wow, he did a lot at 4 o'clock. Man, that guy was busy. And so that's chapter 4, verse 25. Chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. So that's kind of, again, I told you, when Paul wrote it, he didn't put chapter and verse number, but so you can go back and reference that. And this morning, we're going to have an opportunity through prayer and anointing for us to throw off what's on the left, and to put on what's on the right. How many, how many would know that our lives would be a whole lot more excellent if we were living more on the right of that list? 
And, and even if you, you won't admit it about you, here's someone you'll admit it about. How many would love if their boss lived out of the right side column? Come on, how many of you parents would love if your children lived out of the right side column? How many would love your spouses, your friends? Yeah, we would all love that. We'd say, wow, the world would be a whole lot more of an excellent place. Okay, so this morning we got to look into the mirror and not just look at this through a window passage. We got to say, you're telling me because of the great love of God, by His grace, I get to live different. I get to speak words of truth and have peace and generosity and all of it. Saying, yeah, absolutely. But I told you, there's, there's some other gospels. And I don't even like that word because it really cheapens it. But there's some other ways that we could live by in our lives. That's not this. I wrote down a few. We could live by a, a complacent gospel. Complacency would say this. Well, hey. I'm saved. Isn't that good enough? I'm saved by, by grace, through faith. I'm saved. And we just get complacent and say, I don't need to change any of that. And, and God's saying, but why wouldn't you throw that stuff off and put on some good stuff? Come on, don't be complacent. Or this one, compromising. Well, sure, I still have a lot going on in my life, but God loves me. He understands why I have to talk about people and why I can't forgive that person and and why I just need to get drunk and God's saying that's compromising or or a concealing message that says as long as I'm not hurting anybody as long as nobody finds out I mean is it really that big a deal and listen I just want you to know because you got to hear this clearly salvation that's a work of Jesus totally our Christian life a work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit totally we have a choice to surrender to the Holy Spirit's work or not we have a choice to respond through faith and say, you know what, God, I'm really struggling with my mouth with gossip, but I know that you, you can do this, Holy Spirit. I'm going to put on encouragement today. See, here's our value. Pursue excellence. We, we want to pursue excellence. We, we don't want to just settle for a compromising or concealing or, or a complacent Christianity. We want to pursue excellence. Paul says in, in verse 8, of chapter 5 for you were once darkness but now you are light in the lord so live as children of light live that way now that kind of brought me to a point where i said well how in the world am i going to do this this can feel a little heavy this can feel a little burdensome especially when we're like salmon fishing kind of going upstream to culture Everyone else is going in this direction. There's our chameleon. Just blend in and be a chameleon once again. How am I supposed to stand out in this world? But good thing is Paul tells us exactly how, and it's, it's really fun and practical what he says. So the last passage we're going to read, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Instead, so instead of all that, that darkness, be filled with the Spirit. How do I do that? Verse 19, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In that portion of his letter, Paul gives us four practical things that actually show what it means to be a Spirit-filled believer. See, that phrase, maybe you, you have some baggage with that phrase. Maybe you hear a spirit-filled believer, and you think that that means a spooky-filled believer. 
I go, I've met some spirit-filled born-again believers. I, I ain't go, I'm not going down that trail, Pastor Keith. Wait, can I just show you exactly what we just read, what, what Paul says, be filled with the Spirit? And then he says, this is exactly what it looks like. Here's four things he says. He says, sing together, sing alone, be thankful, and elevate others. That's what you're thinking. Pastor Keith, have you heard me sing before? Because if you have, you don't want me singing, brother. Okay, it's not about your vocal cords. It's not about being in tune with your voice. It's about being in tune with the Holy Spirit. It's about saying like, the psalmist, I'm going to lift up a shout of praise to my God. Look, why? Because I'm spirit-filled. Because I just want to worship my God. And notice, he does say, do it together. That's why this matters, everybody, coming together. Because the first thing he said, he said, encourage one another with psalms and hymns. Like, sing to one another. Like, say, like, this is a, this is a song I'm singing out. Then he says, it's not just enough to do it together. Do it alone. In a shower, in the car, wherever, wherever you just belt out, you turn graves in the gardens. Like, wherever you're going to sing, sing alone. Worship him. Be thankful. And he, and he used the word, the S word, so I changed it to the E word, because we don't want to talk about submission. So elevate others. So I'm going to elevate you. I'm going to submit. I'm going to say that your interests matter more than mine. See, that's a spirit-filled life. We're doing that all day long. You better believe I'm putting on encouragement. I'm putting on forgiveness. I'm, I'm putting on peace. I'm putting on self-control. Like, he's, he's showing us. See, I, I read this quote. Being a Christian is not about trusting a formula, but about trusting a friend. And being a Christian is learning to trust and delight in Christ. See, here's our value. We've already talked about love God, love others. Here's the value. Pursue excellence. Why? Because Jesus pursued you. That's why. That's the gospel. See, you don't have to pursue excellence to impress God so that he'll forgive you. He's already forgiven you by the blood of his son, Jesus, on the cross. Now we, we pursue excellence and we don't settle because we have a Savior who said, I came to this world to die for your sins. This is a free way to live. So here's the question. When we gaze into this passage, like a mirror, how are we dressed? I want you to think about that. Because in just a moment, as your pastor, I want to anoint you with oil today. Oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And I want to take a moment for, for everyone, but you're going to be invited to come if you'd like. And I'm simply just going to put a little oil on your head. Just, just pray, Holy Spirit. May you, may you help your child throw off the old and put on the new. That's my prayer. Isn't that a good prayer to pray this morning, each one of us? You're not going to share anything with me. You're not going to say anything. You're just going to walk right up. I'm going to just throw off the old and put on the new. And you know what the Holy Spirit's telling you. For some of you, it's, I got to throw off the gossip. I got, I got to throw off getting drunk. I, 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 got, I got to throw off that, all of that worry. I, I, just, I got to put on the newness that God has. And I want to speak to Blaze Church for a minute because if you're a trailblazer, you, this is your church, and you know our vision is to reach the east end of Long Island with the gospel. So people might, what, say it with me, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. You and I living an excellent Christian life is exactly how that happens. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew. He said, in the same way, let, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus is saying there, the way that you choose to live, whether you 
put on the old or throw off the old and put on the new. The way that you speak to others, the way that you treat others, the way that you forgive, all of that, all those good deeds, you know what that does? It causes other people to say, I want to praise the God that you're living for. That, that's an evangelism strategy. That's a sharing your faith strategy. Just live for Jesus. Don't live like the reptiles do. Don't, don't blend in anymore. Don't be camouflaged with the world. Stand out. Not by being weird, but by being spirit-filled. By loving our God well. So I'm going to ask every person in this space, if you're able, to stand with me right now. Because I want to pray for all of us. And our team is going to join me up here. They're going to lead us in a song of worship. So we're going to sing together. And then... I want to have a moment where I can just anoint you if you would like to be anointed this morning. And so as our worship team leads us through a song that talks about the hope that we have in Jesus, during that song, if you would say, Pastor Keith, can, can you anoint me? I, just, I want a moment with God this morning. I want, to, I want to mark this day as a day where I threw off the old and put on the new, not because it's, it's not about me. It's about the Holy Spirit, what he's going to do then if you would like to be anointed, I'm going to ask that if you're on this side, just kind of circle around and come up to over here on this side come and just kind of walk through. I'll meet you right here. I'm just going to anoint your head. I promise you I'm not going to push you, okay? Just, just, I don't know what your experience is, okay? So I just, none of that. I'm not going to shake you. You're not even going to say anything. I, I'm simply just going to anoint you with oil. Why? Because Scripture says we, we call on the, the leaders of the church to anoint, to lay hands on. It says, I'm just going to anoint. And my prayer is this, Lord, may they throw off the old and put on the new. That's it. And then you're just going to go back to your seat and just worship the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit do what he's going to do. He certainly doesn't need me to get in the way of him. Isn't he great? He, he's got this. We're just going to go before him this morning. We're going to take some time to just say, all right, I'm going to throw off the old. I want to live an excellent Christian life. I want to pursue excellence. And I really do believe that this morning there's some of you, you, you believe that God just can't forgive you because of what you've done. You're broken. And you just got to hear it right now. God loves you. What you've done does no longer have to define you. He created you. He alone gets the privilege to define who you are. And he says when you come to me through faith, you are an adopted child of God. You are not divorced. You are not broken relationship. You, you are not drug addict. That's not a label that you have to carry. Surrender that to the Lord. All the brokenness, all the mess, all the decisions. He says, I want to call you son. I want to call you daughter. And so for some of you, as you come up and I pray that prayer, I believe what's going to be thrown off is an old identity that no longer has the power to define your life. So let me pray. And then as our team starts to sing, don't hesitate. It's only a three-minute song, everybody. <laughs> if you want to be prayed for, just come on up. And I'm just going just gonna to pray over you. And we're going to end our time together. Let's go before the Lord in prayer as a church. Father, we are so grateful for the encouragement of your word this morning. We're thankful that we don't come to get beat up, but we come to get built up. And there are days like this where we read in your word what you say so clearly. Don't live like that anymore. And we hear it with soft hearts, not a hard heart. We hear it and we say, okay, God, I'm going to throw off the old and put on the new. 
Jesus, my hope is in you alone. And so right now, as we come before you, God, and do what Scripture says, we pray, we anoint, we trust that in this moment, this is a day that will change our lives because you're about to do a work, because your Holy Spirit is about to show us, I want, to, I want you to throw this off now. I want you to surrender it to me. Enough is enough. No longer living confused and in darkness and with shameful lust and pleasure. Live as children of the light. And so, God, we're coming to you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, amen.